Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, depending on where you are in the world. I think most people who listen to this podcast are probably based in the UK, so in that case, it is a good afternoon as we've just passed half one. We've got a very special guest with us on this week's episode of the podcast, episode number 10 already. I only started this thing about a month ago, and I thought to myself, who better to round off a significant milestone than a man that is more than qualified to speak as an entrepreneur, probably better qualified than any of us to speak on being an entrepreneur as a dentist and getting that balance just right. What an interesting thing to talk about. I'm sure you've heard of him. I'm positive that you have. He runs Dentinal Tubules and he goes by the name of Drew Shah. How are you today, Drew? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm smashing it. Thank, Thank you, you so very much, much for uh, inviting me on the onto your uh, podcast, and uh, well done on launching this uh, initiative. Because um, I think you you connected me just a couple of uh, months ago, saying, "Can we do a Facebook group? And do you mind if I talk about it on Tubules?" Or such a good initiative. Well done. Thanks very much, mate. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's taken on a life of its own now. <laughs> it's uh, blowing up, but I'm really chuffed. I mean, as I say, I kind of started it i didn't really expect it to maybe go anywhere really i i always knew there was dentists who were into trading and you know finance is relevant to everybody and i think a lot of us feel as well that there is a conceited agenda by a lot of the independent people that we talk to regarding our finances i mean there inevitably is so wouldn't it be nice to have a safe space so that we can all come together and discuss these things and the podcast just grew from there but yeah, as I say, I'm just getting a little bit of a taste of this being in the public eye, I suppose, someone that you've something that you've been doing for quite a while, and that's why I thought it would be really interesting for me to hear what you had to say, and for others on the group as well. So a little known organization called Dentinal Tubules. I was just <laughs> curious about knowing a little bit more about your journey into dentistry even before we kind of even conceptualize this, you know, this idea of dentinal tubules and this national organization for encouraging learning and dentistry, what was your path? I know that, I believe you told me before that you're not originally from the UK, Kenya, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah that's right. I, I grew up, yeah. I mean, I grew up in Kenya and uh, it's funny, I'm actually talk about this. I'm writing, writing my journey um in, in my book, I'm, I'm writing a book oh, at the moment, um, which is not about me, but my journey is part of it. And uh, it's uh, going to be an interesting one. But, you know, I, I came from Kenya to study dentistry in the UK. Um, I mean, the UK was perhaps where everyone went. Most of my colleagues, friends, you know, from school, UK, USA were very common. Some of them went to Australia. Some of them went to India. Um and I suppose my dad wouldn't allow me to go to the USA. He said, it's too far away, whatever that meant at that time. Um, so I came to the UK and, 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 the, and I've always been a kind of a person who, who charts an independent pathway. 
So I ended up in uh, Sheffield because I realized that none of my Kenyan friends will be in Sheffield. So I thought it's the best thing to do. Um, it's, it's almost a new experience. Like and that. it was a new experience. I mean, <laughs> it was shocking. I had three o'clock. It was getting dark. I thought, what the hell's going on here? Um, <laughs> which was uh, which was rather interesting. <laughs> but uh, Welcome to England, was, it, I guess. And, and it was exciting. I mean, you know, meeting new people, encouraging uh, and and really... That's that's what started really forming me. Now, halfway through my journey, I think I was in my third year when my dad messaged me and said, uh, you know, we, I was paying international fees of 20 grand a year or something like Whoa. that. Anyway, he messaged me and said, Drew, our family money has been wiped out. Um, and I thought, oh, nice. shit, right. So he says, you, you don't know how we'll carry on. You might have to pack your bags and come back. Um, but I... <laughs> I'm not that kind of person. I said I'll find a way. So I was very resilient. I, you know, I went. I worked in shoe shops, burger bars. I don't know, whatever you name it. I've worked on it. Chocolate, uh, chocolate shops, flyer drops, and um, you know, live off what you earn. And you borrowed some, and I got some sort of mini scholarships from back home. And you cajoled it and passed the way through. Uh, there were days I went without food. I lived off uh, Maryland double chocolate chip cookies. Uh, you know, I, I was being, there was a very, very nice news agent who'd sell me these four Maryland double chocolate chip, double size cookie packets, four of them for a pound. So, you know, I could go through one a day, you know, bit for breakfast, bit for lunch. Wow. I get my energies going. Um, and it was really nice, actually, you know, so it, it taught you the value of work. So I'd been dental school during the day, nine to five, five o'clock, you pack up, get into your work gear, get the tram to a place called Meadow Hall that you might have heard of. Yeah, I used to live um, in Sheffield, actually. So you know Meadow Hall. I worked in a Ravel there for quite a good long time. Sometimes I worked in the Union, all bar one, whatever. You And then nighttime, you do all that, trek your way back home late at night. And uh, and then I'd work, you know, do all the assignments and work and whatever chaos needs doing into the wee hours of the night. Go to bed, two, three o'clock, up at half five and start the day again. So I did that for a few years. and. It taught me the resilience. I graduated. And I suppose it taught me that, uh, you know, nobody in the world should ever go through what I did. It's, it's quite painfully stressful. But it, in some way, I was, I, was, I was grateful because it taught me the experience and it made me a dentist in a, in a country I wouldn't have become a dentist in. But education to the world did become one of my big visions, which is why we then launched the Tubules Foundation three years ago. Um, and, and we put 3% of, of gross money from our dental tubules business to the foundation. It's all about making a bigger difference in the world and um, and working through that. So that's the journey that happened. And then as I graduated, I had a massive debt to pay off. I mean, it's a five-figure sum debt that was painful. And I was basically told you can't have a job in the UK as a, as a VT or a DF1. And I thought you guys are having a laugh. Anyway, I saw these long uh, queues of patients in, you know, in areas where they had difficulty of access to dentistry. So I went to the Dean of Wales. I said, you've got a problem here. You've got a problem of no dentist and I've got a problem of no job. This works. Um, so there's a group of us who got the first ever Welsh parliamentary approval to work in Wales. And I was told you can do your DVT in Wales, but you must stay for two years. I said, I'll stay for five. Just give me a job. <laughs> and... Uh, they said, you must show evidence of continuing education. I said, that's fine. You'll pay for some of my exams. So they paid for some of my exams. And I studied and I stayed in a place called Welshpool. I worked in a in a practice uh, called Neil Butler Finnegan. Uh, Neil Butler Finnegan were the three bosses. Uh, and those three years were the best time in my life. I loved it. Very welcoming uh, in, in Welshpool. 
population of 10,000, but the surrounding villages, the practice had a massive, you know, patient base of 30, 40,000. We had a massive eight surgery, nine surgery practice with an in-house lab. It was just like a family. It was brilliant. And met people there, new faces, new experience, learning, you know, the culture or whatever you call it. Um, it's just phenomenal. And then moved to London, came to do dentistry, uh, sorry, uh, house officer jobs, having left practice, did some jobs here, there. Got into specialty training in 2009, 2009? yeah, uh, 2008, I can't, 2008, and Within six months, I went, Jesus Christ, best educators in the world at Guy's Hospital. I was a perio trainee. I thought, these guys don't inspire me. You know, the, the inspiration is something we got to is put some zest and energy into people, for God's sake. These guys were absolutely um, not their fault, but they were just institutionalized. This is how we do things. It's like, no, no, we don't. So I started Tubules. And Tubules was a simple forum. And as a forum, it just connected me with really encouraging dentists around the world and just put the zest back in me. The zest of dentistry came back. So I ended up launching Tubules in 2009, sticking and completing my MCL in dent in periodontics, which is especially training. I was working as well, and I'd got married at that same time. So <laughs> trying to juggle all those balls meant that <laughs> I was pretty much sleeping two hours a night as I managed wow. to get it done. Now, I did I did that alone for eight years. So for the first four years, were obviously all of that. Graduated as a specialist in 2012. Um, but even then, I was still, you know, Tubules was still a project that I was doing. So I was, I was basically working long hours, investing all my money, my savings, everything, every penny I earned. I just kept firing it in Tubules and, and, and building it and, and adding more and more web features. This, that marketing was, it was me. I was a one-man machine for eight years. Um, while doing everything, I went worked in Belfast at one of the best practices in the UK, uh, David Nelson's Cranmore, uh, and and you know while flying, come back to London, take pack the kit, drive to uh, Central London, the studio, set up Tubules Live, do the Tubules Live Thursday night, come back home, unpack the whole studio filming kits, get to bed after a late dinner, back up at four o'clock, back at the airport, five a.m. flight to Belfast. That was my life. Wow. Eight years. I, I I think I they said that I was doing the job of thirty eight people at Tubules on a part time basis while doing full time dentistry. Uh, wow! And then wow. we got a team on board in two thousand seventeen. So it's been a it's been an interesting long startup journey. So Tubules was a one man band until twenty seventeen. Because I've, Tub- I've I've had Tubules for however long. I didn't realize it was just you behind the scenes. Yeah, oh, it was just goodness. me. In 2017, we got a team, David Horn, a bit of investment. We we raised a bit of investment from some angel capital um, and Kala, Iftikar, Gem. They've been absolute rocks in supporting Tubules. So we're still a small team with a big vision um, and big hearts and big passion. And that's what drives business. You know, it's a, it's one of the things about business people don't understand. The dental practice owners I see don't. But people, people are the biggest, biggest, biggest resource you have. And how you build that team, how you look after those people, how you inspire those people in your business is such a key. You know, people hire teams. Can you do dentistry? Yeah. They hire nurses based on CV. Yes. Which is fine. Everyone has the skills. That's not the key. The key is answering what do these people's, you know, what's their value? What are their goals? What do they want to achieve? And long term, practice owners need to see what, how do these people's goals link with our practice goals? Will they claim ownership of what they do in terms of their jobs? That's when you get fired up, inspired staff. And when you get inspired staff, you get an inspired business that delivers inspired results. 
Powerful stuff. That's the key. Powerful yeah. Stuff. So that's the kind of journey that's given me those sort of visions. <laughs> wow. Well, it all makes sense now. Where there is a will, there is a way. Whoa. That is really <laughs> do you know? Do you know I say this, right? I'll tell you this phrase. It's in my book, but I'll tell it to you. They say, where there's a will, there's two things. Where there's a will, there's either a way or where there's a will, there's a dead person. Right. And, and my, my view is if you're not finding that way to keep your dreams alive, if you're not finding that way, then you're as good as a dead person living. Oh, right. Right. That's a new so, twist on that saying for me. Yeah, yeah. So, I've always said that, though, where there's a will, there's a way. And whether it manifests itself as the way you initially conceptualized or not, that is almost always entirely another thing. But yeah, that is quite a twist on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Interesting stuff. Drew, that was an amazing biography of your journey so far. And you actually, we kind of, we jumped into the next question halfway through that as well, inadvertently, because I was going to ask about how dentinal tubules started. You've given me a great history of it. I just wanted to know, initially when you started it out, you designed it to be some sort of forum for us dentists to learn. Yeah, it was a forum and a jobs board. It was simple as that. Oh, I see. And it wasn't even education. Or was it forum no. in terms of education so that we could discuss cases? Or... It was just a forum. It was right. simply a forum to bring dentists together. It was I building no a community. Idea. And it, I suddenly realized the power of education behind that, which is what then drove the evolution um, of tubules from the forum. Um, it became the website. Then we, some people said, Drew, can you put some videos on? So we started filming. And suddenly realized it ran. It was a free resource from 2009 to 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, when we put the videos on, the cost of filming those videos is not cheap. Um, so we had to put us absolutely. I mean, we and that's what my biggest focus. You know, other other educational providers can do webinars. I've been forced to do that through COVID. But at Tubules, we've always said, do the highest possible quality. I mean, and so one of the things you say is that you're not watching somebody's slides. Education is watching somebody's passion, watching their body movements, watching their facial expressions, watching that emotion. Emotion is what creates energy in motion, and that creates your memory and learning. So that's why we did filming. But as a result, we had to uh, rebuild the website and build subscription in. So in 2013, we launched what we call the Genius, the, the, the first version of the website with the forum, the videos. And then we launched study clubs in 2015 or 16, which built the community together. And eventually, um, you know, we realized this is a, a, a something that can help everyone. I think 2012, I was doing live streaming even before Facebook launched it. We were doing live streaming. Our first live stream, I, I remember, is I think early 2013. And ultimately, it wasn't just delivering knowledge. It was delivering knowledge to a community of like-minded people. So it became a growth engine. And in fact, (laughs) the joys of entrepreneurship never end. After having raised a a fairly big chunk of cash in January 2017, eight months later, (laughs) with Genius 2 launched, we launched the the second version of the site. We were five days away from closure. And... uh, I've got a massive tubules video on that somewhere on YouTube as well. I did a talk about it, but it can break you into sweat. When you've put your your heart, your soul, your energy, your life, your house, you name it on that, and you're five days from losing it, it's 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 heartbreakingly crazy. It builds you. If it won't break you, it'll build you. We we did it. We survived through that. Um last few years have been some of the toughest years in building tubules and yet some of the most exhilaratingly rewarding years. And 
now i think after 13 years right people or 12 years sorry people are realizing what a resource it is we get messages of people saying well done what a resource you've created what a community you've created um and 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 that's what it is so it started very simply as a forum and like you said where there's a will the way will evolve the path will evolve but our our aim remains our aim it was more than education more than cpd our aim is to inspire people to love what they do and use the education to grow into what they love they doing that's ultimately what we do if you like what you do you will invest the time the money the resources the energy to grow into it and that's what we believe in so that's why we say you're tubulized i think i'm tubulized in that case because, <laughs> because there's been times before where i've definitely felt everybody suffers from burnout in dentistry let's be real probably the majority of us do and learning something new about it, a new skill, something like that. It's just that impetus to feel inspired once more. And I, I, I really, I really do like dentistry, but we all go through ups and downs. And Tubules has been something that's helped me massively, 100%. Going back to your book, are you yeah. at liberty to say what the title is at this point? Or is that top secret? No, I'm not allowed to talk about oh, it. I'm not allowed to uh, say it. And you're the first one to hear about the book as well. So oh, I'm glad. Good thing this won't be public, Drew. <laughs> so it will be. I don't mind people knowing that the books, there's a book coming out public. Oh, I see. Um, Has it even got a working title? It's it's got a title. It's got everything in in place. Ah. Uh, all we're tra- doing is ultimately what I've found is this, and this is the concept behind the book. Like I say, if you're not inspired, you will not put the money to grow, and if you don't grow, you you can't thrive right to maximize yeah. ultimately people need these three things tied in very good and in fact that's in three tubules taglines inspire grow thrive and all, when i see people going to work and people sit there and say oh i go to work so many people go to work and are not inspired by what they do i'm not talking about passion i'm talking about inspiration because inspiration comes from within right motivation comes from outside motivation is a manager putting a fire under your bum so you can run faster right motivation is a reward motivation is 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 a promotion motivation is a paycheck those things are okay but when that reward runs out when that fire under your bum runs out when when that award no longer exists you you feel like what's the point inspiration comes from within inspiration is that fire inside you that keeps burning and that gives you the kind of energy that boosts you and the books built behind you know finding what is inspiration finding it when you find your inspiration you actually find inspired goals in life things you want to achieve that inspire you and at the same time serve a purpose that helps others that serves others and you grow into those goals so the second part of the book's talking about growth and how you get focused efficient growth into what you do because hardships challenges are good the more challenges you get the better your chances of growth like you said dentistry you go up and down quite a lot and it's not just learning new skills and that's one of the things about dentistry that dental school never tells you your personal and professional development should go hand in hand self development and technical development go hand in hand um and so we have to push that so the books looking at all of that and ultimately my purpose in life is to supercharge people to love what they do and do it at the best so my book's going to be all about that i look forward to reading real quick guys i've put together a special report for dentists entitled the seven costly and potentially disastrous mistakes 
the dentists make whenever it comes to their finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistryinvest.com forward slash podcast report. Or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. Really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. And when you were touching on mindset there, Mm. mindset is something that I've realized the true magnitude of maybe only within the last two, three years. When Mm. you have two... To kind of uh, condense what you were talking about there, I think the, the short term for what you're, you're speaking of is the growth mindset, so to speak, inverted commas. So it's when you go through life and you have this ethos or this mentality that no matter what happens to you or what challenge comes, you come across, even if it's the worst thing in the whole world, it's put there to grow you. It's put there yeah. to grow you. And if you see it almost as a challenge, that flip on its head of concepts, concept or how you look at it it means that you see everything as an opportunity to grow and even the wor- very worst things that happen to you. If you think to yourself, do you know what? Uh, if I beat this and I come out the other side, think of the person I'm going to be. It's just a really interesting way of flipping bad things in your life on your head that someone taught me a while ago and it really helped me. So It, um, it really helps because it's not just growth mindset. You know, Carol Dweck's done a shed load of work on the growth mindset. Um, but growth mindset comes when you... When you know your purpose, when you know what inspires you and you know what where that inspiration is taking you because you step up every time, you you know, as, as Les Brown says, you know, if you fall down, fall on your back, because if you look up, then you will stand up. And ultimately, um, what this means by that is, you know, where your goals are. The growth mindset is a learning mindset and it's knowing that this is just a small trip up in my road to where I'm going. That's why I always, I, I, you know, I've coined it as a five pillars of tubules growth, but direction is the first pillar. If you don't know where you're going, if you don't know why you're doing something, you, you, you're not going to stand up that quickly. In dentistry, we currently have that problem, right? People say, let me do CPD as a tick box. Jesus Christ, come on, take the time, invest in your learning. If you want a successful growing career, take the plunge of practice ownership, build your destiny. That's what I always say. People say it's, you know, it's too expensive on tubules. Then I sort of say, look, I think tubules isn't ready for you yet, um, or you aren't ready for tubules. But that mindset, growth mindset, goes hand in hand with where do you want to go and what's your inspiration. The tubules fee, I think, is a bargain. And I'm, by the way, Drew has not paid me to t- to say that or anything of that nature. But there's a there's a guy on there. What's his name? David. Uh, you know the BioClear Matrix guy. David Clark. David, David Clark. Clark. They've got one of you've you've got his two day lecture on there about the BioClear matrices, and it's like fifteen hundred to go on that course um, <laughs> on its own. And I'm like, right, two bills has just paid for itself just then. But like I say, <laughs> <Five years. laughs> Drew, Drew has not paid me a penny to say that. I personally just think it's a great uh, resource and it's great value. Look, I did it out of passion. In those first eight years, I wasn't paid a dime for it. In fact, I lost money. You know, I've invested my savings. I don't do it for financial gain. That comes as a result of good work if I do it over the years. I still get a salary where, in all honesty, James, look, the truth is I could have been in dental practice as a specialist periodontist that I am earned more money. Even with the salary I get now from tubules, one day in practice would cover it. 
but I don't do it for that. I put my energy, my passion somewhere where, you know, I go with. And this is a question I ask every viewer, you know, and, and every listener. If you had all the money in the world, would you be doing what you're doing today? If if you had everything paid for, would you be doing what you're doing today? If your answer is not no, just just give it a good thought. And my answer is yes, I would still be doing what I do, which is using tubules to supercharge people. Amazing. What a great way to go through life when you feel like you've, you get out of bed every day and you're, you're, you, you've got a reason to be put on this earth and help people and all the rest and things like that. Yeah, it's great. No, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And if you can feel that, your motivation is self-perpetuating and it's, yeah, it's not about the money, effectively. I had a question actually about running dentinal tubules. So from the outside looking in, it just, you know, you're always someone who's very active on the WhatsApp groups. If anyone has a question, you'll pop in, you'll say hello, you'll give your insight. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people who get in touch with you over Facebook and what have you. You said that you work in practice two days a week as well. I'm just wondering, what is this, what's the kind of split in your time? I mean, is this something that you're able to compartmentalize quite easily and you just say, nope, I'm doing my nine to six with dentinal tubules, my own time is my own time, or does it kind of all blend into one? I'm just curious what it looks like. You know what? Um, <laughs> it all blends into one, I'm, and this is an area I'm improving on. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I I kind of don't sleep much, and so I, I get uh, you know I'm, I'm, day before yesterday I was up at three forty five a.m. So between three forty five and maybe six forty five a.m. I spent three hours uh, reading. Um, I do a, I, I like reading a lot. Um, I don't think you can see in the podcast, but on on the screen you'll see these are the oh, books I've read. That's quite the collection there. Wow. Yeah. So those are the last maybe three months, um, or if that. And and the way I read books, I read them. I listen to the book on on an audio book if it's available, and then the third reading will be making notes. So I really try and internalize books. So I need time for that. Um, that's my my solace. I play music. Um, things like that so everything blends in and i'm the kind of guy if i if i get an idea i get a thought i fly with it um and, and i don't know what's going on sometimes uh i have a i have a wife and a little kid who keep me on my toes to say get the heck off work and spend time with family so i will put my phone on the side and and she has to remind me often enough which is great um but it's nice it all blends in. My, my practice days are two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. I suppose those are cordoned off in terms of the timings. I don't extend the timings. I do fairly long days, but I don't extend them. Um, and beyond that, every living minute is done either with dental tubules or the foundation or my own work. My my role on tubules because of what I've done is, is, is leadership. I've got to be the visionary. I've got to think strategy at one end of the scale. At the other end of the scale, I've also got to do the basic work, you know, the, the, the initial support calls, the Facebook, the WhatsApp, the all the messages. Um, I used to get about 400 emails a day, uh, just emails, Whoa. beyond Facebook, LinkedIn, WhatsApp, Instagram. Uh, people have my phone number. I'm pretty open and, and, and approachable in that way. Uh, as time has gone on, I found ways to minimize that. Some of my team have taken up the pressure. Uh, we have created content where answers can be obtained through uh, automation, um, little things like that. We've also now got people who understand the concept better and carry the message for us. 
the work never ends. The pressure never ends. Uh, on the but flip it keeps side, going. on the flip side, though, what I will say is, um, I mean, if you're truly, if you are, you're as passionate about something as what you seem to be about dentangle shavings, then I bet it doesn't even really feel like work. My mm-hmm. policy, or my my new policy that someone taught me a while ago was, when it gets to nine o'clock, you put your phone on the table and you flip it upside down and you turn vibration off so you can't see the screen, and then you're not tempted to look at it. That's just my personal policy, and then that way <laughs> you get some sleep. But that's just what works for me. It works. It works. But you know, part of part of what we do is serve people, and yeah. we, we will have people doing CPD or tubules work or whatever. You know, learning at eleven at night, and if they have a query. We try, I mean, generally at up to about 1 or 2 a.m., we try and support them as best as we can. Uh, I just enjoy it. I just enjoy it, personally. I just enjoy chatting to people. But, yeah, yeah, that's why I tend to, like, even even though I've said I've got that hard and fast rule there, quite often I break that almost every day, you know what I mean? (laughs) I I think what's what's really important is to know which bits to respond to, which bits not to, and where to switch off. So there is certain points in time now where I switch off all connectivity. So I can focus on what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I think focus is so important. More than time management, people need to learn focus management and protecting distra- yourself from distraction, so you can focus on the on the on your optimal tasks at your optimal time uh, is very very important. And and I'm building more of that. So I know my optimal hours, and during those hours, focus becomes key. I'm working on that as well. Because I'm someone who enjoys quite a lot of reading too, uh, whether that be yeah. on dentistry or trading and finance and what have you. And quite what I do struggle with is if I have the phone next to me, I get very distracted. And if I was able to hone my focus on one particular thing, I could be that much more efficient. But I'm working on it. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It sounds like you're, you've went through something similar almost. Yeah. Just, it- sorry, Joe. Go on, no, I was just saying it's a process of evolution. As 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 you evolve and grow, um you 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 adapt, you learn, you change, and you optimize. I'm getting there. I'm working on it. I wanted to know you've obviously someone who's dedicated a massive amount of time to this. How do you stay motivated? Or you've got have you got any tips and tricks? <laughs> it's keep your inspiration. Ultimately, um, you know, it's it's about keeping your inspiration. And and what I find is that a lot of people do things just because they do it, right? Um, I mean, I, I come to... So, he, let, let me put it this way. We had a lockdown. Uh, dental practices were closed for three months. If we were really inspired that about doing the best for our patients, then we would have found ways to continue patients. And I know some practices who did coffee mornings or who did educational days for their patients through Zoom or things like that because their purpose served beyond themselves. And as soon as you find a purpose and that keeps you beyond yourself, it's no longer about you. It's something bigger. It's something greater. You don't need motivation. As, as I told you, motivation is, is the fire under your bum that a manager puts in that's going to burn out. You need that fire blowing inside you all the time, the inspiration. Inspiration comes from finding a purpose that's bigger than yourself. And that's what I'll say. Ultimately, that's what keeps me going. I have to say that the, 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 everything else flows in from there. Um, I'm, I'm, and and you're so then you become so focused in it. You become so driven by it. You get so into it. 
you just get inspired and these ideas flow through you these ideas flow into you think freak that's a good idea this is a good way of doing it you find solutions you find new problems which you want solutions for you find new opportunities new challenges everything comes so the key is again going back to figuring out where your inspiration lies and in dentistry you couldn't find a bigger inspiration than anything else and that inspiration is serving another human being who's putting your trust in you that's awesome. What are your favorite parts about being an entrepreneur? Uh, I think, look, I'm, I'm a challenge-driven guy. I like challenges, so that's one of my best bit. They, they challenges can knock you for a six, um, but I love them. So I suppose as I've been going through the entrepreneurial journey, it's about um, how do we challenge yourself further. Don't wait for the challenge to come. Just find a challenge yourself. Um, I love that. The other part about entrepreneurialism is that it, you express your creativity. You express things the way you want and make them happen. You are creating a, a future, and I love that. And I, I suppose the other thing I like is you're in control of your time and, and, and your the way you work things. And I love all of that. Uh, entrepreneurialism isn't easy. It's not for the faint-hearted um, because you have to work a lot of things out. You're going through... Uh, you're chartering through paths that nobody else has done before. So you have to figure out a lot of things. And if you're not a problem solver, if you're not a creative thinker, it can become a challenging place. I like problem solving, creative thinking. So those, I love it. Absolutely love it. Awesome. Yeah, it is. I can imagine that it's a lot of fun and there must be an immense satisfaction from feeling like you've overcome a particularly burdensome problem. Almost you know, by thinking outside the box, I should imagine anyway. When you spoke earlier about dentinal tubules and how it sounds like not even that long ago, your your back was almost against the wall financially. I mean, what was it you said? Five days until <laughs> things almost went very pear-shaped. When we, I think the public common perception of procuring capital for a business Correct me if I'm wrong, it might be a little bit over-dramatized. Maybe we've all watched a little bit too much Dragon's Den, but we're in there, we've got our backs to our walls, we've got a pitch, this is make or break, we're speaking to some big business tycoons, we have to sell it and get it over the line. Is that what capital procurement looks like in real life, or is it more along the lines of a casual conversation with the bank manager? I'd love to know more. It depends where you could procure capital from. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess so. so when, yeah. I had to, when I had to procure the first batch of capital from my savings and earnings, um, it was probably the most um, most challenging discussion because I had to have it with my wife, um, right? And, <laughs> and, and as, you know, I mean, support and understanding, but you know what I mean? It's, it's talking to a family member and convincing them. Not easy. Uh, the second conversation with banks and, and, and funding sort of, crowdsourcing was was challenging as well people um want to see a return on investment we, we've even failed a crowdfunding uh in um uh, what do you say a crowdfunding sort of a round we did a couple of years ago we had to get to a certain level before it goes public we put that out to the dental tubules community and lots of dentists put the money in but we couldn't get over the line so we got zero oh, um wow. And then over the last few years, obviously, we got some angel investment, which was very great. And then, wow. you know, looking for the second batch of investment hasn't been easy. The thing that really gets to me is people want to see money return. And I guess I'm a different thinker. So many people say, what's the return on investment? And I turn back and go, to be honest, I'm just going through a vision, a purpose. For 12 years, I've followed this purpose. 
if that purpose is powerful enough, the, the, the money, the return will come as a consequence. And where we have to think about investment is think beyond just the financial spreadsheets and understand that those financial returns are a consequence of super great work, creative thinking, innovation in a challenging, challenging, crazy world, unpredictable, technologically advanced world. That's what we've got to look for. Personally, to me, I think the investment model needs to change Um, because as an entrepreneur, I found it very challenging to get people who understand the vision, who get the vision. Um, This is a big vision. My big vision is to tubulize 2 billion people around the world in the next 10 years. Um, and, and, And that's what I'm going with. It's a lot of depth of thinking. Now, ultimately, I've built the vision. I've built the goals. I've just got to keep striving towards it. Everything else falls in. But it's not Dragon's Den style. It's not drama, no music. It is heartwarmingly difficult as an entrepreneur to raise cash. It is friggin' crazy. As you have a track record, it becomes a bit more, the strings are a little bit better because they trust your repayment abilities. They trust the way you go. But let's put it this way. Lord Billamoria, who who opened Cobra Beer, I was listening to his story. And his back was up against the wall after 30 years. So... This will always happen. It's a business challenge. If anybody wants to own or run any kind of a business from a small dental practice to a big corporation, just be aware. You'll be doing this all the time. It's not like Dragon's Den where you get a bit of investment. You go, yay, brick against the wall, and that's the end of the story. You're doing this all the time. Um, And you're approaching cash flow all the time. COVID. COVID comes and lots of dentists overnight cancel their subscriptions to tubules. You're like, Jesus. And we have to survive through that. Plus, we put 3% of our gross to the foundation. So you can imagine the challenges we face, but we we stick to the purpose. As an entrepreneur, that's the main bit. There's different ways of fund, raising funding. And depending on who's on the other side of the discussion, you have to keep convincing them and make them believe in your vision. At least we don't have to worry about Deborah Meaden and Peter Jones then, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose not at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting stuff, though. That is in- I never, I wasn't actually too familiar with the process. And... I think that it is something that, like I say, maybe we have this excessively dramatized concept of because we all watch Dragon's Den and its role is to make a good TV show rather than be representative of reality. So I wanted to know what was, how that actually manifested. So super interesting, like I say. I think you've got to know your business. You've got to know your plans. You've got to have a good outcome. You've got to be clear. You've got to have a clear purpose. You've got to be clear on your marketing plans, your journey, your path. And people will will believe you better. Part of my evolution has been that three, four years ago, I don't think I knew. Let's put it this way. I've probably figured out what I'm doing after 12 years, a few weeks ago. (laughs) So I've built... That process continues though, I bet. That process continues though, I bet. And in other years' time, you'll have another epiphany, I suppose. It's it's natural, but that is interesting to hear you say that. Is there anything you might say to someone who was thinking of maybe creating their own venture as an entrepreneur, regardless of the concept, just broad rules of thumb. I think look, one of my biggest, them. my biggest, one of my biggest things is, is um, to look around and understand the problem or that the, the business is solving, understand the people you're serving and understand the, the, that in big detail. Because ultimately, your business lives or dies by the problem you're solving. If it isn't a problem, you wouldn't have a, uh, a business there. And spend a lot of time understanding this. Get into the mindset of 
your potential customers. Um, I think it took me a long time to figure that out, but that's the first thing I would do. And the second thing is that when you get into business, yeah, take the jump, have some guides or mentors around you or a community that can support you because it's not easy. The stress levels can be high, very damned high. They're higher than the GDC threat, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, and, and, and have a supportive community. And the third thing I say is just build your resilience because if you do it right, Jesus, is the most rewarding journey. Like anything else in life, the harder the thing is, the more rewarding when you get to somewhere. It's just that much more satisfying. Um, that's what I normally suggest. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much. We have, of course, got you on this. Well, my the, the page with the primary function of the page is about investing. So I was just curious to know, Drew, do you invest in anything on the side? I, You know what? When I graduated with a lot of debt, um, I played. I, I worked on the stock market for a while, investing in shares. I, nice. I invested in what was fairly... <laughs> I said, I laugh. I said I invested in what was fairly stable shares at that time. A lot of my shares were in the banks. And up to 2009, they did well. And between that period of 2004 and 2007, I got good returns. But after 2009, they just plummeted because of the crash. So some of my shares still sit in there. Um, I, there was a bit of cash I put in the dot-com bubble in 2000. Um and that, that money still sort of sits there. God knows where, what I haven't looked at it. But I, I, beyond that, I haven't built a shared portfolio because in the last 15, 12, 15 years, most of my investment has been in dental tubules. If that's, yeah, I put all the money in there building this uh, business, building this portal. And that's that's the value that I've developed across there. Uh, I think what I, I suggest to anyone who is talking about investing, think about three buckets in life. Uh, put a certain percentage of your monthly income, which you say you will got, you're going to invest. And, and, and most people think, let me put some money in so I can get quick returns, quick money, right? So that's a growth kind of investment. But you've also, you know, we've all got big dreams, right? We all want to own a boat or you all, I don't want to own a boat, but we all have things like that, you know, holiday home, whatever. Keep a bit of a pot for that. But I think the most important investment to put, to put money is your secure investment, you know, things that secure you, whether it's the house or your your savings account. I know money doesn't have value in terms of the returns, but the compounded interest on that would be good. A secure investment may be some insurance that you put money in because if shit hits the fan, you've got a back on that. Um, and, and, and perhaps your first stock investments, put some money into secure stocks that you know will remain stable and will have slow growth, but will have growth over time. Then go on to the high growth stuff because the high growth stuff is high risk stuff, but it, it returns well, it returns well. It kicks you hard, it will re-kick you damn hard. And that's my way of talking about investment. If you do that sort of a structure, I didn't do it for a while. Um, I should have. I instead spent a bit more on holidays maybe, but there we are. You live and learn. I think that's that's what I would talk about investment to the community, one step at a time. That ties in with my slant on investing as well, because what sometimes irks me about the whole investing world is we have newsletters, we have websites, we have X, Y, and Z that will try to push us stocks or push us yeah. some great new asset, you know what I mean, i.e. risk or capital. There's always a conceited agenda with any, any resource, anything of that nature. And really, even before you get on to risking your capital, the main thing is that you stay in the game 
And by staying in the game, what I mean is having enough cash flow to keep your head above water. Because if you're out of the game, there's no scope for investing there whatsoever. And even if you are at the point where you're preserving capital, you're not necessarily risking your money in that and various assets, this, that, and the other. As long as you can keep building to the point where you stay above water and then you can invest, then surely to me, that's the most important thing. And this is why the bias in that well, in the investing world or in the finance world, sometimes does annoy me because, and then that carries through to a negative perception that people may have of it as well, because they think that it's inherently risky when actually there's all these many more facets to it that often don't get talked about. And the essence of it is that you're trying to grow your wealth and protect yourself mainly, and then grow your capital secondary to that. Both important things, but protecting yourself is number one. It is. And, and also, I think one of the things to remember in any investment game or anything realistically is that you have to do it one step at a time. You know, there's this talk about fast growth companies. There's this talk about fast growth investments. Yes, fast growth is brilliant. Um, but not everything's fast. Good, solid things are built slowly. And uh, that's one of the things sometimes. Just slow down. Think hard. Stop following the damned media um you know hypes is my theory but that's me do you know what i was reading something i've just finished a book uh van yeah. tharp's how to invest your trade your way to financial freedom and oh yeah in uh, have you read it you heard no it? i haven't no heard of it yes yeah great book amazing book uh and one part of the book he devotes a whole chapter to breaking down uh, investment newsletters and their <laughs> returns over time and he interviewed, right. he interviewed 20 of these newsletters. Turns out only one in 20 of them actually tracked their portfolios and their recommendations. And when he back, right. when he back tested that, he found out that half of them lost money. How crazy is that? And these people advise people on what to invest in. What? I don't think anybody can predict these things. I think the, the only person who I, I think who's, who's kind of defied the stock market is Ray Dalio. Yeah. As far as I can think, right? And and uh, if anything, that's the one person every investor should follow with his his principles and his app and his new book um, and strategies that Ray Dalio's given. Um, the other one is is, is Tony Robbins' book, um, his finance book, his latest one. He's actually putting a lot of the principles from Ray Dalio into that because, uh, in in essence, Ray Dalio doesn't take any new clients anymore. Um, and he's got a massive portfolio. So that's some of the things to look at. I've, I've read, I've watched some of Ray Dalio's videos on YouTube. I have not read his books, but he's, he's somewhere, he's on my hit list somewhere near the top of authors I need to check out sometime soon. Tony Robbins is an interesting one because I was only ever familiar off him in his life coach role or his speaking yeah. role. But I didn't realize there's this whole other dimension to Tony Robbins that deals with finance as well. And it was only through doing the group that pe- a lot of people have come to me and said, oh, I read Tony Robbins' book. I really like his work on finance. And that was when I began to become familiar with him. So that was a bit strange for me because I only ever know him. He's quite, he's got, he's quite loud-mouthed, isn't he? And he's, he's quite in your face. His, his motivational style is a bit interesting, to say the least. And I always, to marry up my concept of him with the guy who also does solid long-term investing, it just doesn't, it's a bit of a... You know, there's, there's, there's three on. things, right? There's three parts of a wheel. And this is what I've always said. I, I put it on the slides that we, we do introduction to builds life. There are three things in life where I feel you should develop concurrently. I've, I've kind of highlighted the two, the personal development and the professional development. The third wheel is the financial development. 
And if you do those three together, then you find yourself moving forward that much better. Um, and, and that's why Tony Robbins falls into that, because he, he helps your personal development. He, he enables your professional development concurrently. And as a result, financial development comes on the back of that. I never would have taken him seriously as a financial advisor, but a number of people that have come to me and said that he's really good. Maybe I need to check his books out. Uh, but another great book I read recently, I've got it over here, The Psychology of Money. It's all yeah. about common, okay. common, common misconceptions and common reasons why people fail in the market. And more often than not, it's because of their own psychology apart from anything else. And it deals with when you, when people are up with their money, they become frivolous with it. Rather, yes. rather than treating it like real money. And even though that sounds obvious, it's until you see it, until you read it back to yourself and you understand it a little bit more in depth, you'll realize that we all do this to a degree because we all live within our means when our wealth grows. It's inevitable. We all do that. And yeah, to flip that on its head, to use that money and save it and store it and not spend it excessively is creating true wealth and something that you can use later on in life. So I find that really interesting, actually. And like I say, it sounds obvious, but I think that perhaps to the degree that you do it won't become won't become that obvious to you until you read it, you read this mm -hmm. book. So I, that's another book that I would recommend. I think you put that in the group, so I will have a look at that. Oh, it's one of, one of the best I've read on finance. I really like that book. Really, really good one. Um, and another one is Andrew Craig's uh, How to Own the World, because it's it specifically tells you how to create a portfolio with sips and ices. So it's UK-centric. Right. UK a lot of the other ones are American-centric, so they talk about 401ks and what have you, which doesn't really which is their tax-free investment vehicle for retiring. So mm -hmm. as, as I say, to have it put in UK terms and an explanation of just how much inflation is underplayed by the government, it's really, really interesting one. So those are definitely two of my favorite. And again, it's not about risking capital. It's about staying in the game almost and protecting yourself, which was a way, when I began thinking of investing in those terms, it totally flipped it on its head for me. Ah, okay. So yeah, that's very interesting, isn't it? It's it's really yeah. Interesting. It's really being in the game. The house should never win. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the theory. Like that's saying. the theory. When we spoke about mindset earlier, Joe, and we've obviously just touched upon books and what have you just then. What are your favorite resources that helped you in your journey to finding your passion and becoming someone who wakes up every day and just feels so energized and ready for the day and driven and purposeful? I think I tap into a lot of resources. Um, I, I read a lot of books, so Amazon probably because Amazon, <laughs> Amazon, Amazon recommends. And um, you know, at, at one point, my wife kept saying, "How many books are you going to order?" Because every few hours, there's something being posted to the envelope, <laughs> uh, to the post box. Um, another resource I use hugely is YouTube. Um, in the same way, okay, YouTube doesn't have a lot of um, you know useful content. But once you get into the useful stuff, you can really go in and pick up nuggets, uh, especially when I was really down on cash and I couldn't spend money on anything. Um, I, I used YouTube and I got so many nuggets uh, of learning from different people, different things. You know, whether I was listening to Brian Tracy or even Tony Robbins or Joe Dispenza or um, I can't remember the top of my head, but there's so many playlists I've got on YouTube now, which I used. 
from there on, I've sort of done a lot of online courses, uh, and, and depending on who I work with, Satasha Yurik does some really good courses on insight and personal development. Um, I did Brian Tracy's course again. Uh, I've had uh, I've done persuasion and influence courses. So I use variety of resources. Ultimately, I then have my own little books where I make notes all the time, and I connect things. So I learn something from A and B and C. In my head, I'll put it together. Um, to to what serves me, and being the creative person, I just come up with some other insight, I suppose. So that's what I do. The, that's what I like doing. The more you learn, the yeah. more you earn. You say. The more you learn, the more you earn. If you decide to apply what you learn. Well, yeah, that should be the third, the second part of that, shouldn't it? Actually, yeah. You're quite right. I am someone as well who is maybe only really kind of tapped into the power of books within the last two years of my life, and I wish I would have just started reading earlier and being dedicated to being a lifelong reader is something that will grow you in so many ways that I could never have imagined I would have grown until I started yeah. along that path. So That's maybe fine. we're on the same wavelength sort of on that front, definitely. And I would actively encourage anybody who's listening to always, always, always have a book on the, on the go. I think the thing is you've got to look at it this way, right? Um, Books. You will read books if you if you enjoy what you you you're, you're doing about, or if you really have a yearning for learning. Which takes me back to the right to a where we talk for about. learning. I love that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> if you're not inspired enough, you wouldn't pick a book up. In the same way, if you're not inspired enough, you wouldn't go to press play on a video, whatever it is, right? Um. So, it's it's you know that's I mean I've spent four hundred dollars on a six hour course, um, and 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 you know that sort of thing. But I was inspired enough, and I knew that course was valuable for what I was inspired by. Very important. Each book, every book you read, normally is about ten or twelve chapters, and each chapter takes me about an hour to read. That's the average read time, anyway. That means you have ten hours of learning in in that book that you've just gone through. If you think about a university, you have 12 weeks in a semester. Basically, with one book, you're completing one module of learning. Now, if you did five books, you've pretty much completed a semester. 15 books a year, you're doing a university degree. That's the way I translate wow. things. Yeah, I guess you're right. I never thought of it in those terms before. Before I started reading a lot, I had... Stephen Hawkins latest book and I was reading it okay reading it inverted commas for anybody who's listening and can't see for two years all right <laughs> and what that means of course is you read a chapter and then you don't read it again for another nine months and then you read another chapter or something like that and I, I just wasn't making great progress because the book didn't resonate with you it didn't uh, yeah, it, maybe it, it didn't did. inspire maybe you like... because it wasn't resonating with what your value bits were you're reading all the investing books because right now you're enthused energized investing money it's resonating with you it's become a value for you i think you're you right. will immerse things that become valuable for you i think you're right you know but yeah like i say i've uh, <laughs> since become a lot more well a lot more focused in my, my my reading habits and it's definitely helped me a lot so yeah anybody who's listening definitely would recommend it to everybody we talked about dentinal tubules drew yes how do you help? Now, obviously, I'm sure everybody who's watching knows what dentinal tubules is. But let's say somebody's just heard of it for the first time today on this podcast. How does dentinal tubules help us dentists? It goes back to what I said. It's about inspiring yourself, growing and thriving. So many dentists want to do the best they can for their patients, want to have a happy, stress-free life. I mean, well, stress as less stress life. And they want to be growing. 
Ultimately, humans want to grow. Dental tube will help you do that. Five things that really work well. Number one, we have this, because we go beyond ticking CQC and GDC boxes. That happens anyway. But one, we have the IPDP that's been designed to quickly develop it. But it's your personal development planner and your professional development educational planner. So it helps you set the direction where you want to go. We've got, I don't know, 2000 plus online videos now. If you really want to learn, you can go and learn. So that's the second pillar of growth. The third pillar of growth is acquiring those skills. Dental Tubules runs courses all the time, hands-on courses. Our Congress does that. The fourth pillar of growth is your environment, where you are, where you're supported to grow, and when you make mistakes, you're given positive encouragement. Our practice membership is built for that. We, we help develop these practices into teams that are beyond just CPD. These are teams that use tubules to inspire themselves. And the fifth pillar of growth is community. You become like the 5% of people you hang around with. Dental Tubules has study clubs around the country. You go to these study clubs, you hang out with these people who put that zest of energy and growth within you. So Dental Tubules helps every single individual use education, connection, learning to grow to become better versions of themselves. And they use education, connection, learning to inspire themselves in dentistry so that they love what they do every day. And they'll learn to value themselves in that way as well. I love that. That's what we aim to do. I love that. So much more than just a portal for dental videos. More, It's a community as well. And you know what? You know the WhatsApp groups that we have regionally? Yeah. I learned so much from those because you can just throw any question out there and people who are in your area will answer them almost straight away. So that to me is very valuable. Anything exciting that you'd like to tell us all about that's occurring with Dentile Tribules over the next coming months, coming year? I know that you mentioned your book. Maybe you're, all your time's wrapped there's, up in that. Oh, there, there's a lot of exciting things coming on the on the website itself at some level. Uh, we're looking to bring, hopefully, the web team more in-house. Um, and you will see a lot of things. COVID has changed things a little bit. But I think what's going to be the most exciting thing for me in 2021 is influencing change in dentistry. Um, I think the the way I'd like to put it is the era of CPD is over. People need to stop thinking CPD. They need to start thinking growth. And actually, we need to measure every person on how are they investing in their growth using these five pillars. That's what we're going to focus on. So I want dentists to be really growing and loving what they do, because then patients will value that and patients will get the best care. And ultimately, that is going to raise the whole dental game, because if patients value dentistry, they will value everything we do. They will ask us for the best of what we do. That means we can give them the time. Hopefully, we can charge them appropriately. Everyone wins in that game. Not this. Uh, actually, let me just tell you the funniest story of the unit of car activity. Have you heard this one? I haven't. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Frederick Winslow Taylor? And this is something for everybody to think. Frederick Winslow Taylor was a management consultant in, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And I think it was Ford Motor Company or somebody invited him and said, can you tell us how to generate more profit? and get the most of our workers in the factory. Now, you know, when you're on an assembly line and you're a worker for a car, you're repeating the same job every day. You're, you know, whether it's it's screwing on something or putting a door on there, right? So if you are one of the workers on this assembly line and as, as the car body passes by, you just put a door there. Next one passes by and you put the door there. That's what they were doing. So let's 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 assume we'll call this person is doing a unit of door activity, right? For each one, UDA. 
Now, in essence, <laughs> this um, Frederick Wimsler Taylor was told, how do you make them more efficient? And ultimately, he said, the best way to make them more efficient is wake, make them work faster, make them work harder, and tell these people that they will have to work from a certain time to a certain time, and they will only have a certain lunch break. In essence, push your people more, the more efficient you make them. That's called a labor worker, and a labor worker works as fast as possible in a repeatable job. Unfortunately, that gets translated into automation. The second version is the knowledge worker. The knowledge worker is the person who works in the front end, but all the hard work's done at the back end. When you see your patients, patients value that before you saw them, You've spent time in the back end understanding their problem, treatment planning, spent hours putting a good plan together. You spent hours in the back end learning the skills that you're going to apply to them. So although the patient thinks that you've only seen them for 20 minutes, they know that 20 minutes came from three hours of hard work. And that's a knowledge worker. And and higher up is someone called a value worker, but I'm not going to go into that. The only thing to put in this is, as the future knowledge workers will have greater value. And as people, as dentists, as investors, whatever, you've got to become a knowledge worker. Don't work faster. The real benefit is in working slower, working more intelligently, and working more efficiently that way. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. And it's the education that behind the scenes, behind the scenes that permits you to do that. And yeah, that's something that I harp on about as well. I like. I really like that analogy. I've never heard that in those terms before. <laughs> I love it. I might steal that one, Drew. Drew, go ahead. <laughs> Drew, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Can I just say that we're going to wrap up now? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, and thanks for inviting me. And I hope show number ten is valuable to everybody who listens to it. Oh, um, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will it. be. I think you're doing a fantastic job. Keep going. Keep growing. And Thank you. Keep, I'm really uh, keep investing. It. Yeah, I'm doing my best. I must say I'm really enjoying it and as I say I just find it strange that there was nothing like this in dentistry before and part of what the mission statement or the mission objective is to get people to see investing from the point of view that it's actually safer to invest some in a safe fashion than it is to have all your money in cash because that was something that completely changed my world. But the nitty gritty of how you do that is being clever, is being educated, what have you, and you know all all those other parts in between. But that was that's the message essentially. But as I say, Drew, thank you so much once again. Awesome, thank you. Thank you so much. Hopefully, we'll have you back on the show at some point to impart more wisdom. Until that <laughs> time, Drew, I hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll speak again very soon. Enjoy your day, and thanks everyone, and thanks for the invite. Cheers, Take mate. care. All the best. Bye bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.